Alrighty, rolling sound, rolling thunder here this Friday on the Rutgers Scout Cast. Thank you for downloading another episode, streaming another episode, however you listen. Your one-stop shop for Rutgers athletics commentary, news, analysis, everything you need getting ready for the season. I am your host, Scarlet Report publisher Sam Hellman. Welcome to episode 25 of the Rutgers Scout Cast. It was a pretty darn big week when we're talking about Rutgers football, so that is going to be the focus of this episode. I know I said that we were going to do our season preview episode this week, but with everything that went down, starting on Sunday with the weight room grand opening, going all the way through the week, quarterback, captains, injuries... Chris Ash missing part of a practice to go up to Clifton to talk to high school coaches. A lot went on this week that we need to discuss and digest. So next week, we will preview the season and take an in-depth look at Rutgers at Washington. In terms of our guests this week, I thought it would be good to get some more voices from the Rutgers football team on the show. People responded very positively to hearing from Aaron Henry to hearing from the Rutgers representatives over in Chicago at Big Ten Media Day. So I wanted to do the same this week. So I spoke with two of the veteran leaders at wide receiver for Rutgers. I figured who better to hear about Chris Laviano winning the starting job than two of the guys that he's going to be throwing to the ball to every Saturday. Caught up with redshirt junior John Simmons and senior Vance Matthews to talk about Chris Laviano, to talk about wide receiver, have a little fun. Vance Matthews especially is a guy that's real comfortable in his role, and so we, honestly, we only talked a little bit of football. So you'll hear both of those interviews in just a second before we transition into the news. But right now, here's a couple things that are on my mind that we won't have time to get to during the body of the show. To start, this is my fault. I completely forgot to share my thought after Rutgers' Media Day. I I wrote about this for our subscribers, for our members on the Scarlet Report forums, but I thought it would also be something to discuss on the podcast. Uh, So the way Media Day works is we go into the Hale Center, into the Hale Center lobby, go into the team meeting room where we have all of our press conferences and sit down. We got maybe 10, 15 minutes with Chris Ash in a formal press conference setting, and then we had some time to kill. Because there's an hour between that and when we would go do our player interviews, which were in the bubble, which was 115 degrees. That was terrible. That's another story. But that hour in between where we have nothing to do, that's team photo time. So what I did is I work in the press box in in between the press conference and talking to players. So I'm walking the stadium. There's secret Goodfellas back ways that I know to get from point A to B to C at Rutgers Stadium after the last 10 years. So I'm walking the stadium, heading over to the press box to get some work done, and I glance in at the team photos and I notice something. There are almost as many guys in white Rutgers polos in this photo as there are in Rutgers uniforms. That means there's a lot of guys on this Rutgers football staff between the assistants, quality control, graduate assistants, recruiting staff, nutritionists, academic advisors, There's probably 40 people on this Rutgers staff, at least, and that really stood out to me as a change that I didn't really notice at first under Chris Ash. It was really impressive to look at, and I said, oh, 
This must be how Ohio State does things. This must be how Alabama does things. We talk all the time that Alabama's recruiting staff may be bigger than the entire Rutgers staff. Well, not anymore. Rutgers is adding hard workers every day to that staff. Never before did that pop out than when I looked at the team photo. And you'll see the same thing online, you know, in the media guides and everything with the team. There's a lot of names, people that you've never heard of and you probably never will hear about. But there's a lot of full-time salaried workers in that Hale Center more than ever before. And that's what big-time programs do. One more thought before we jump into our interviews for the week. So I was at this Sunday weight room unveiling, grand opening, whatever you want to call it. The Ron and Joanna Garuti Strength and Conditioning Center is the formal name. I'm just going to call it the weight room. That's a little easier. And I think everyone will know what you're talking about. And what stood out to me more than anything, look, obviously the weight room looks great. I thought the weight room looked good before. It was outdated, but it was fine. It served a purpose. It's not about the, you know, it's not about getting an extra bench press in there. Like, as Chris Ash said, 45 pounds is 45 pounds. It's about upgrading the equipment, adding different variety of equipment, making it look first class. We've talked about that. You guys have seen the video tour if you are members. If you're not, check out a free trial and watch the video. It's really cool. What stood out to me was what Athletic Director Pat Hobbs, Sarah Baumgartner, the whole team did with this event. This really wasn't that big of a deal. The weight room's been done. It's been open. But they decided to make it feel special. And when you're able to make something feel special for a donor that gave a lot of money, and that's the Garuti family, to get this done, it's going to inspire more people to do the same thing. It's something that I thought Tim Pernetti did very well. I can't really comment on Bob Mulcahy doing it because I was a 19-year-old kid at the Targum when he was fired. But you take events that seem boring or stupid or a waste of time and you make them feel special. That's something that Pat Hobbs has done a very good job of so far, whether it's announcing the halfway point of fundraising in a special live R-Vision broadcast where you invite select media to come down, or it's cutting a ribbon. It's something that you feel like it's a big deal. So whether you're a fan, you get excited about it, whether you're a donor and says, I want my moment like that, or whether you're media and you're invited to this thing and you see the, the enthusiasm of Rutgers about it, making stupid things feel special is important. And I'm not saying that this is stupid because this weight room is a big deal, as we've discussed. But a ribbon-cutting ceremony can be meaningless. It cannot matter. And honestly, I think we saw that with the Fred Hill Training Complex. It was a cool moment, but it didn't feel special. This did. And what Rutgers needs to do is they need to keep that up because the more donors get excited about moments like this, the more they're going to give. So that's enough of what's on my mind this week. And before we jump into an interview with John Simmons from originally Bergen Catholic, now an upperclassman at Rutgers, I want to tell you about FanEssentials.net. Still a great way to support this show. And guess what? The NFL season's about to come. I mean, heck, Madden dropped this week. So why not gear up for your NFL team, gear up for the MLB playoffs with fanessentials.net? 
If you're a sports gear guy, and I know that you are out there, I am right there with you, and I know a lot of other people are too. How would you like to get all of your team's favorite merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? I'm not talking Rutgers here. I'm talking professional sports. I know that you guys are out there excited for training camp. Well, check out fanessentials.net. All you do is you pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to, and each fan box comes packed full with some amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan, or it's a great way to gear up your own closet in getting ready for your favorite teams. Prices start at just $34.99 at fanessentials.net, but I've got a special offer for all of my Scarlet Report Rutgers ScoutCast fans out there. If you use my promo code SCARLET, at checkout, you're getting 30% off your first month. That's 30% off of your team's gear. So visit fanessentials.net to get all of the essentials you need. Now let's get going. Here is John Simmons. What's up, John? How you doing, man? Good. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Hey, so you're playing outside this week? Yeah, just... uh. Yeah, we kind of got hit with a lot of injuries a few days ago, and I started uh, moving outside. Just I've been rotating back and forth, and they like me a lot out there. So I've been getting a lot of reps there recently. I like it; it's good. I've been doing it my whole career, knowing both. So I'll still be playing inside now. I, when we were talking to media day, you said, "Yeah, I love playing the slot, but I want to learn outside as well." So getting that opportunity now, how much have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I mean, I just always make sure I know everything. So when my number's called, like it just happened in practice or injuries, and they needed someone, and I was one of the few people who knew all the positions, so I could just go out there, and I've taken made the most of the opportunity and it's great to be out there how much does your experience just as a college football player help you when you're learning a new offense like you said you know multiple positions already that's got to help yeah I mean it's like my fourth offense in four years so every year is just it's kind of just normal to me and I'm able to pick it up pretty quick and I get it down and always just make sure I know my assignments how similar is this to what you were asked to do your junior year at Bergen Catholic when you had that big year uh, it's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, we got a lot of vertical routes. We're running at a real fast tempo, so it's definitely something I've done before. A lot different from last year, but pick it up quickly. It's all just playing receiver, so it's been good. With you getting ready now to play a big role in Big Ten football, how excited are you for the competition you're going to face? Great. I mean, we have a great schedule this year. We're always going to be playing the top teams in the country every week. There's no weeks off, and that's good. I mean, you can just measure yourself against the best. You know you're going against the best, and whatever you do, it's validated by that. It's been a while since you've gone up against Jabril Peppers in a game, I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, that would be good. I mean, play against him in high school all the time. He's a great player. It would be a good matchup. Um, getting Coming out of this training camp, getting ready for season prep, what's the biggest change that you have to make, like, mentally? Um, I think we just we go about everything a lot a lot differently. We call all coverages different things. The plays are all different. Pre-game prep is different. So it's, just, it's kind of like a whole new season. Just learning new ways to go about it. And I got to ask, uh, you know who your starting quarterback now. It's, you know, decisions been made. How much does that help you in your preparation? What do you think of just the decision being made and everything? Yeah, I mean, Chris had a great camp, open competition. He did a good job on the field. Returning starter in the Big Ten, so that's good. He's got a lot of experience, I think. I'm excited for what we can do as an offense with him. The, the thing I've heard from talking to everyone, from quarterbacks, receivers, coaches, is that he really stepped it up leadership-wise. How did you see him do that? Because you've obviously known Chris very well for a long time. Uh, I mean, he probably started in the summer in the weight room. He was definitely one of the leaders all summer. He was a grinder. He was always first in everything, working working the hardest, and it kind of just became contagious, and everyone follows him because of that. And when he puts in the work like that, you respect what he has to say. Uh, who would you say is your favorite Rutgers athlete? My favorite? 
favorite Rutgers athlete? Could be someone you play with now, you watch growing up, someone on another team. Doesn't have to be football. Um, let me think. Uh, growing up, I guess I was big Ray Rice, Brian Leonard fans. He had both their jerseys growing up, always went to the games. Uh, what do you remember about watching them or... Uh, I'm guessing pretty good memories from that 06 year. Yeah, I always went to games growing up. Uh, I remember like the Louisville game. Uh, that was a great one. It was, it was always fun to watch them play in the Boogies. Uh, second one, there's three total. Um, what's your favorite memory when you think about Rutgers, whether it's something with your teammates or committing there or you know, something that comes to mind? Uh, uh, sophomore year out in Washington, playing Washington State, that was one of my favorite games since we played. Scored my first touchdown. It was just a real exciting game. Put up a lot of points and ended up getting the win play in the Seahawks stadium. Yeah, I get to practice there too, right? Yeah. That had to be cool. Uh, last thing, if you get one more meal on the Rutgers campus, where are you going to go and what are you ordering? I would say... And let's just say yeah. that Coach Parker won't find out. <laughs> I don't know, I'm a big sushi guy, so I like, uh, there's an all-you-can-eat sushi place, there's a Midori sushi nearby, so I'd probably do that. Believe it or not, Coach Burnham said the same thing last week. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> no problem. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Rolling sound with uh, Vance Matthews getting ready to break training camp. How excited are you to get into season mode? Um, really excited. Uh, can't wait to get actually play against somebody else besides you know our, our great defense that we have here. Um, so it's it's going to be fun to Apartment Seven Seven. Shout out. I hope it's not Lewis. Street. <laughs> I hope it's not Lewis Street because I live there. <laughs> Um, no, it's going to be great to, to play against a different opponent and go against um, new faces and a, a new opponent from what we're, what we're used to seeing. So it's, we're excited, everyone's excited and ready to go out and show what we can do. So it seems like there's a tradition at Rutgers, and we just experienced it, that you got to harass your teammates when you're doing interviews. <laughs> Where did that, who, who taught you that? Because it's something that I've seen for 10 years now. You kind of just pick it up as you go. It's it's like something you just watch someone do, and it's kind of just the tradition that goes around. Um, obviously, we're all great friends here on the team. Obviously, my roommates love to harass me. Um, so it's, it's kind of just something that you get you get taught from watching and you pick up. I've seen, I've seen you throw rocks at your teammates. Uh, Darius Hamilton always used to steal my recorder and pretend to do interviews. What do you think the best strategy is to harass your teammates? Um, definitely be hidden and not be seen and do something loud and obnoxious like Darius just did to me uh, not too long ago. Um, trying to get the other person to laugh is always a good one. Uh, just, I got to ask, quarterback decisions made. It's a guy you know well. What do you think about playing for Chris Laviano again? Um, you know, I think it's great. Congrats to Lav. Um, but, you know, as a receiver, we're, we're tall. Whoever's back there at the helm, that's who we're going to trust and that's who we're going to go with. Um, so Coach Ash and Coach Maringer made the decision to go with Chris, and um, that's who we're going to go with. And, you know, we're going to win games with whoever's back there. I got three quick off-topic questions. I don't think they'll help you guys. But uh, <laughs> if you're looking at Rutgers and your memories here, who would you say is your favorite Rutgers athlete? I know it's a tough question, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not answer that question because someone's going to get their feelings hurt. <laughs> See, the cop-out is the cop out's just to be like, uh, Ray Rice or something like that. I'll say myself because someone's going to get their feelings hurt. Cool. Uh, second, <laughs> what would you say is your best memory uh, when you think about your career here, either on the field or off the field? Oh, man. Uh, say our first bowl game win was a good one. Um, Big East Championship was a, was another good one. There's a lot. There's a lot, and I'd have to think about that. 
These are tough questions. Yeah, and, all right, this one's easier or really hard. Um, if you get one more meal on campus and Coach Parker doesn't find out, what are you going to eat? Sanctuary. Uh, either fried buffadilla or fried peacemaker with no onions. Oh, that's good. I like the, uh, the cheese fries there. Just nice and simple. Oh, they're great. Okay. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Okay, well, thank you to John and Vance for having a little fun with me on the show this week. And now that we are done with our interview segment, it's time to jump right into the news. Here in the news, we pick three Rutgers storylines every week to discuss and to break down. And where else am I going to start than with the quarterback battle? I know a lot of people are sick of the Q word, and I know a lot of people are sick of talking about Chris Laviano too because it seems like everyone has an opinion one way or another, and no one's opinion is going to change before a game is played. So I'm going to start off talking about quarterbacks, but I'm not going to beat you over the head with it because it's been discussed for weeks now. So, Chris Laviano is your starting quarterback. No, it doesn't mean he's the starting quarterback for the entire season. Chris Ash made that very clear when he announced it. But if Chris Laviano plays well, he's going to keep the job. I think that everyone would be happy with that. Zach Allen pushed him in training camp more than I thought that anyone was going to push Chris Laviano. So I give Zach Allen credit for that, and I give the Rutgers coaching staff credit for actually giving others a chance to compete with Chris Laviano. First off, Chris Laviano is tougher than a $2 steak. Okay, this guy grinds. He might not he might not be the most mentally tough quarterback yet. We we've, we've seen his issues in the past. We've discussed them. That guy got beat up weekly and he always came back up for more. The only time he really came out was in that last game and it was only for one drive. Of course, he got booed when he came back in. But Chris Laviano is tough. And that's what you need as a Jersey New York tough guy in this offense because if Ohio State had to go through a season with three quarterbacks getting beat up, then Rutgers is going to expect even more of a physical pounding in this offense, especially with the amount of read option, option bootleg stuff that we've seen in the open scrimmages and that we've discussed with Drew Merringer. Chris Laviano is the toughest quarterback on the roster, and that is why I think he is the right choice to start the season because he can take a pounding. He can run. He's not a great athlete, but he can run. Keep in mind that he's a very good high school lacrosse player, so running up and down the field is nothing new to him. All of that stuff combined with the fact that he clearly has the best grasp of this offense. He's gone through so many different coordinators that he's able to pick things up, pick them up quicker, and that's what you need in a no huddle. So I think from a managerial standpoint, he's going to do a good job. You saw how it took other quarterbacks, including Zach Allen, who's still new, if you're at that open scrimmage, you saw how it took them a little longer between plays in the no huddle, whereas Chris Laviano, bang, 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 next play, ready to go, no huddle, keep the defense on their toes, and that's what Rutgers needs to do because most Saturdays this year, when you look at Rutgers and you look at who they're playing, I mean, I'm looking at the better team as the opponent when it comes to talent level overall. So how does Rutgers even the odds with tempo, with good play calling and with toughness, and Chris Laviano brings all that. Now, of course, if Chris Laviano were this great quarterback, 
then there wouldn't have been any sort of competition at all. He would just be the quarterback. So there are negatives to Chris Laviano, too, and it's a lot of the concerns that I've expressed last year that all of you have expressed to me on social media, on the Scarlet Report boards. First off, Chris Laviano doesn't have a rocket arm. He's not going to gun it 75 yards down the field accurately. He can throw the quick, short passes, but he doesn't necessarily always have the zip on it that you need. So, sure, arm strength is a fair question with him. I thought that Gary Nova threw a harder ball. Mike Teal definitely threw a harder ball. I know everyone loves the Hayden Reddick comparisons. Hayden Reddick definitely threw a harder ball. But it takes more than a strong arm to be a good quarterback. I know I've said that before. I think that Chris Laviano and Drew Maringer are going to work around that. Quarterback is a lead position. You need to be a leader at quarterback. You need to be talking all the time. You need to lead by example. Chris Laviano did not do a good job of that last year. Whether it's the suspension issues, the issues with the fans, uh, the issues that he had with the media, and that carried over into the spring some, blowing off the spring game, post-game interviews. That wasn't good. But, look, Chris Ash, if anything, he's honest. And he's proven that. And Chris Ash honestly said when he named Chris Laviano the starter, look, he didn't have the trust in the mental attitude that was right six months ago, but now he does. So when Chris Ash says that, I'm inclined to believe him and give him the benefit of the doubt until Chris Laviano gives me a reason not to believe in his leadership and his work ethic. I'm going to go ahead and agree with Chris Ash and say it's improved. Chris Ash made sure to say on his conference call when he announced Chris Laviano as a starter that no, he's not the perfect fit for this offense, and that's the kind of guys that they're recruiting. Of course, he can't mention guys like Jonathan Lewis by name, but that's what they want is a more complete athlete to go along with the arm and the intelligence and the intangibles. But what Chris Laviano is is he's a hard worker, and like it or not, he's the guy that's going to lead this team and lead this offense. On the topic of leadership, that carries us into part two of the news for this week, and that's the announcement of team captains for Chris Ash's first season. Chris Ash spoke a lot at Rutgers Media Day. I asked him about it, and he went into pretty good detail about what he wants in the captain and what the way that they would go about selecting one with, with team input and really doing their research on it. And he came up with four pretty good options that were announced this week. That's starting right guard Chris Muller, starting center Derek Nelson, starting defensive tackle Darius Hamilton, and starting defensive end Julian Penix Odrick. Good choices. I think it says a lot about the Rutgers experience in the trenches that all four of these captains this year are big men. Uh, it's not flashy choices because, you know what, as an offensive lineman, if you're not noticed at all, it means you're doing a good job. What these captains represent is a recruiting class that was completely loyal to Rutgers. These are four guys that truly believe in Rutgers University. Um, these are the guys that were recruited by Greg Schiano, either committed to or were about to commit to Greg Schiano when Greg Schiano left Tampa, and they were so all-in with Rutgers that it didn't matter who the coach was. They were coming to Rutgers. Chris Muller and a big group of the Pennsylvania guys all got together a lot to try and keep themselves together. Darius Hamilton was calling everybody, even before he committed, to keep this class together. The uh, late, solid verbals from guys like Steve Longa, guys like JPO, guys like Quanzel Lambert, 
came thanks to Darius Hamilton keeping the class together in a lot of ways. So when I look at this class, I look at this class's loyalty to Rutgers, whether it was Greg Schiano leaving or some of the stuff that went very wrong towards the end of the Kyle Flood era at Rutgers. These guys stayed loyal to the program, and I think that's something that Chris Ash understands. I think that's something that the younger players understand, that these guys have been through way more than what your average college football player should go through in terms of, I guess, turmoil is the right word. So that's why I like them as captains. Darius Hamilton is a born leader. He's been leading his whole life. He's a three-time captain now. And like Chris Ash said on Media Day, he wants captains that are going to be on the field. And Darius Hamilton's worked very hard to try and get back on the field. It's going to be a limited role this season. Uh, they're going to manage his reps weekly. He, he didn't do a ton during training camp, but he did more than he did in the spring. But making him a captain shows that you believe in Darius Hamilton as someone that can help lead this defense and lead this team. Julian Penix Odrick is an excellent choice to be a team captain. He is a guy that, and I say this with love, you ask him a question and he's not going to shut up. He just keeps going and going and going and keeps talking and says the kinds of things that are not going to get anybody in trouble, but they're going to give the reporters or a recruiter, whoever he's talking to, they're going to give him exactly what he needs. He's a Julian Penix Odrick is a guy that I really like, but sometimes I'll avoid him in post games and stuff because I'm on a time crunch and he just talks so much and he's so engaging that you lose track of time and you miss out on four other interviews you need to do because you're talking to JPL. Chris Muller is very similar in that capacity. I think that he's someone that knows how to have fun with interviews while still giving people what they need and being serious. He's the guy in that locker room that both has a good time and provides a veteran presence. You guys know, especially the people that read Scarlet Report, know that Chris Muller and, and his family are very welcoming. If you're if you're an offensive lineman, you're a big guy, and you've got nowhere to go on Easter, on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, you're going over to the Mueller house, and you're going to have a great time. It's people like that. Uh, I know that the Schuler family was like that when they were here. There's lots of families that are like that. I'm sure I'm missing plenty I'm forgetting. But the, the families that welcome people that don't have a home on holidays, those are always special families. And I know that a lot of younger players appreciate having a guy like Chris Mueller to go to with things like that. Derek Nelson comes off as kind of a silent leader for Rutgers. He's not the most outgoing guy in terms of his personality. He's a little more introverted. But I think that it's very important that you have a center that is a true leader. If you're not going to make a quarterback a captain, the center is the next best thing. He's the guy that's touching the ball on every play. He's the guy, other than the quarterback, that's most responsible for getting the offense set in the new huddle, the no huddle which is also a new huddle for Rutgers. I think Derek Nelson's a good choice as well. There's plenty of other guys that I discussed that I thought could have been captain material. I'm a big believer in making your quarterback a captain no matter what. Obviously, Rutgers hasn't done that since Gary Nova. I I thought that uh, Andre Patton could have been a captain based on him going out to media day, his leadership, his role in the offense. Quanzel Lambert is another great leader. He reminds me of Derek Nelson in terms of being a silent leader. Those are just some guys, but look, you can only have so many captains. You can't pull a Greg Schiano 2008 and name 16 captains. That That's not how this is supposed to work. And as much as I love and still talk to a lot of those six captains from the 2008 team, 
it's just weird. That's too many captains. I think four is even on the high number, but I thought Chris Ash made pretty good choices. Closing out my thoughts on the captains in the news, I'm very glad that Rutgers has returned to a more traditional way of naming its team captains, and that is something called the press release. What better way to announce your captains if practice is closed than just by shooting off an email and letting everyone know at the same time? Last year was very strange, and when I say that, it's usually you don't announce your captains by sending a direct message to a guy that works at ESPN that doesn't even cover Rutgers for him to tweet some special graphic signed by Kyle Flood. That was the weirdest team captain announcement I've ever seen. It didn't make any sense, and all it did was make the uh, divide between the press and Kyle Flood even worse is because we're the guys that are there every day covering the team, and instead of, you know, announcing captains in a normal way, you go out of your way to send some weird message. I'm just getting annoyed thinking about it. You guys know what I'm talking about. And my point is that Chris Ash did a good job announcing the captains the way he did. I hope that they are made available very soon to talk about their new roles, and I look forward to hearing from Chris Ash and from other players on the team about why these are the 2016 team captains. It's a shorter episode of the Rutgers Scoutcast this week because we'll probably be going over an hour next week with the season preview and taking a look at Washington. So we're going to close out the news with Rutgers basketball. The schedule was announced Thursday, the full schedule. Uh, you can go on scarletreport.com and check it out or scarletnights.com or really anywhere on Google on the internets and find it. But I wanted to talk about a couple of games on this schedule that obviously I knew that they were coming, but I think that these are the games that are going to say the most about Rutgers basketball. Obviously, the Big Ten schedule is another thing. I want to talk non-conference where I think that December 10th, Stony Brook, New York is the place to be. That's going to be a really fun environment. Steve Peichel returns home to Stony Brook. He brings his new guys out there. It's going to be a reunion with the staffs between the two schools. There's going to be a lot of juice in that building. And if I'm a Rutgers basketball fan, more than any other road trip this year, that's the one that I'm making. Not because I love driving to Long Island, because I don't. And I guarantee you that me as a reporter will be miserable during that drive. But I think that's going to be a special game against Stony Brook. The time and the TV, you know, to be determined still. But I think this is a game that deserves a television time slot because of the story it tells. And I think that with it being Saturday, why not go check it out? Um, It's not like, you know, there's a football game going on. The season's already over at that point. So... If you're hungry for some Saturday activity, some Saturday sports, that's a game to watch. The other obvious game is at Seton Hall, two days before Christmas on a Friday, so that's a bit of a tough sell. Even to me, I'm not sure if I'll be there. I hope to. It's another one of those storyline games with Pat Hobbs going back to the rock, that kind of stuff. It's also a chance for Steve Peichel to make a statement because, yes, Seton Hall is the better basketball team on paper, obviously. It's a tournament team from last year. Kevin Willard's done a really good job there. But one of the toughest parts, I think, for Rutgers fans during the Eddie Jordan era was how non-competitive games were against Seton Hall. 
Heck, I, did, I didn't even watch the last game against Seton Hall because I was in the media room covering the Chris Ash hire and so disinterested in what was another blowout. So if you're able to turn Seton Hall versus Rutgers into something exciting again, that's going to say a lot about Steve Peichel. Obviously, the Big Ten season comes with its own challenges, and I look forward to those. I think at Maryland could be pretty exciting this year, and then obviously closing with Illinois and Maryland the last two games at the rack. Michigan before that, it's good to have a home stretch to finish the season, and I think that the Rutgers fans that are watching on March 3rd as the season regular season ends against Illinois are going to see a very different team than the one that takes the court November 11th. As you know, Brian Doan, uh, Scout National Recruiting Analyst, should be back on the show next week, and I hope to have another exciting guest lined up as well. Probably depends on how the flight situation goes with a lot of people heading out to the Washington game. So, welcome here to our weekly Rutgers Mailbag segment, where we feature on-topic and off-topic Rutgers questions. Uh, The best way to get those questions into me is as a Scarlet Report premium subscriber, either in my inbox or on the message boards. Anyone that's not subscribed or has found the show through iTunes or some other means, feel free to hit me up or check out our free seven-day trial. You can read more on ScarletReport.com. This week's on-topic question came from a private message from one of our subscribers. He wanted me to know, he wanted me to discuss who I thought had the best training camp and who I thought had the worst training camp. Well, I'll start this off with a disclaimer. As you know, we weren't allowed to watch as much as we've seen in the past. In the past, I can easily confidently answer this because I was at literally every rep of every practice. I only saw about six practices this year. So these answers are a combination of how I saw things change on the depth chart, what I saw with my own eyes, and what I heard from talking to sources, coaches, visitors, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to say that I thought the best training camp belonged to left tackle Tariq Cole. Tariq Cole was not even on the radar as a starting left tackle at this time last training camp. He was a guy that hadn't really changed his body from when he first enrolled as a freshman through that first year. He, he was playing guard. He was a big guy that didn't seem like things were quite clicking in the playbook yet. And then with all the changes in the offseason, he's one that I think has really, really taken advantage of what Rutgers has to offer as a school and what this coaching staff has to offer. He is an NFL-type body at left tackle. He's athletic. He has, as you know, transformed his body again. Everyone knows about his weight loss in high school, but it's even harder to lose weight and continue to build muscle at the college level when you're grinding out at practice the way that he's grinding. So I thought he had a very good camp. The fact that no one ever even really took reps at left tackle first team other than him says that he did a good job staying healthy and that he fought off all of the competition for one of the biggest money spots on the Rutgers roster. As far as who had the worst training camp, I don't want to single anyone out and be overly critical, but I'll talk about a few guys that I thought didn't take advantage of their opportunities. Obviously, you start with Hayden Reddick, who has another fresh start at quarterback with fresh eyes on him and Drew Maringer and Chris Ash, and it didn't work out certainly the way that he hoped, and I know the way a lot of fans hoped. He got his shot. He 
got reps with the ones and twos during training camp. He got a ton of work with the twos the first couple of weeks, and it it just wasn't clicking the way it clicked with some of the other quarterbacks. He looked great in a lot of one-on-one or seven-on-seven passing drills, but that's not real football. And when I got to see him play real football, and a lot of fans saw this too, he struggled to keep up the cadence of the offense. That pick six in the first scrimmage was kind of the last straw in his push for the quarterback battle. A couple other guys that I wanted to see more from and and didn't really see it in camp, linebacker T.J. Taylor, he says he's healthy now. I, I don't believe him. I think that he's saying that because he wants to believe he's healthy. I don't think he's quite there yet. If he were healthy, I think he'd be a first-team, second-team guy and not working with the threes like he did during most of camp. Cornerback Jarius Adams lost a lot of ground with new guys coming. He was honestly probably the sixth guy in the rotation when you factor in Ross Douglas, when you factor in Kobe Marfo, and when you factor in Damon Hayes. It wasn't too long ago that Rutgers was fighting down to the wire with Michigan to get Jarius Adams after Jim Harbaugh came on board. And this is a guy they played as a freshman. There's something there. There's some talent there, but it, it, I guess it just hasn't clicked this camp. Hopefully he's able to continue to learn in that room and keep working hard. And then the third name I guess I would have to mention is uh, left tackle Jack Shutak. Wasn't working out with him. He decided to leave the team. He got a little bit of a run with the twos when Manny Taylor got hurt, but once Kamal Seymour moved to the offensive line, uh, Shutak decided that it was time to move on. Uh, I really wish him well, but... I mean, you're talking about guys that didn't have a good camp. The ones that didn't finish camp are the ones that first come to mind. Now, going off topic. Uh, This question came on Twitter from someone named Mardukas. And he said, Sam, if you're from Virginia, why would you want to go to Rutgers? Oh, that's an easy question. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Rutgers, right? I loved my Rutgers experience. I got exactly what I wanted out of my college experience. And that was, you know getting a job. <laughs> I guess that's everyone's goal. My goal in college was to get a job and not have to move back in with my parents after I graduated. So mission accomplished. I chose Rutgers for a couple reasons. First off, I love New Jersey. I always have. I grew up in Virginia in the uh, Fairfax County area, but my family is from Brooklyn and from Edison, New Jersey. My dad's side of the family. We still have a lot of relatives in New Jersey. I would come up for Thanksgiving every year, usually to the Princeton area. And I loved everything from the diners to the pizza. You don't have that kind of stuff in Virginia. The other draw, I knew I knew in high school, probably when I was 15, that I wanted to get into journalism. And I didn't want to go too far from home for college. It's about a four-hour, three-and-a-half-hour drive from where I grew up to Rutgers. So I looked at a bunch of schools in this area my junior year, like a lot of people do. I looked at Rutgers. I looked at Monmouth. I looked at Villanova. uh, I looked at West Virginia. Yeehaw. Uh, I considered Maryland, but I grew up hating and being disgusted by Maryland um, uh, from a fan perspective. And Rutgers had a couple things that the others didn't. First, they had a daily newspaper. I, I walked onto that campus for the first time, and I saw the daily Targum. And I was really impressed. It was a chance for me to write every day. I knew that this was what I wanted to do. So I guess why did I go to Rutgers? The main reasons were, one, I love New Jersey. Two, I found a connection early with the academic opportunities that I could have at the Daily Targum. 
And then three, it, it, I guess it doesn't hurt that the 2006 football season was my senior year. Um, I knew I was going to Rutgers probably around October, so it was before things really got hot in Rutgers athletics. But it was a fun ride as a senior talking trash. Louisville game, Texas Bowl, the women going to the Final Four, the NITs, uh, Rutgers baseball played well that year. They played at Virginia and Charlottesville in the tournament. I remember going to that game with some of my buddies. So uh, that's why I picked Rutgers. Why did you pick Rutgers? Why don't you tweet me and let me know? Because there's plenty of crazy alums out there like myself. So thanks for the questions. And as always, tweet me at Sam Hellman Scout if you want to get a question on the air. I know a couple came in late after I already recorded this podcast for Friday that maybe I can try and get to next week. So always feel free to re-ask your question. If I didn't answer it, I can only pick two and I get at least 10 or 15 every week. Uh, With that said, thanks again for listening. Please do check out fanessentials.net. My promo code SCARLET can save you money if you like gear. It's the best way to support this show. The other way to support this show is to simply rate in iTunes and Stitcher. I've seen those numbers go up and I really appreciate it from you guys and girls. It's nice to know that someone's listening. The more it goes up, I mean, look, you type Rutgers into iTunes and we're what shows up. There's a lot of other podcasts out there. There's other Rutgers podcasts. NJ.com just announced that they're doing one. And, you know, as you know, that means war, right? We're going to have to go to war with them. Uh, Hopefully I'm the Vince McMahon and they're the Ted Turner of this podcast war. I'm kidding. Uh, Hopefully we can have maybe Keith Sargent or maybe get Ryan Dunleavy back to talk about their podcast and then I can bury him. I'll hit him with a steel chair when they're not looking. Again, I hope that I'm able to make things work with a pretty cool guest. We're working on a time, but I have a full-time job. This guest has a two full-time jobs, and we don't live that close together, so we're trying to make it work before heading out to Washington. Uh, if not, I have a couple other tricks up my sleeve to get you a really good preview. It's going to be our season preview episode. So if you have questions or topics you want discussed in our season preview episode of the Rutgers Scoutcast, you know where to find me. I'm Sam Hellman, Rutgers Scarlet Report publisher. Thanks for listening.